0: Vegas was pretty good. At least, I think. Overall. Is this a sign of good things to come for NASCAR? We'll see. Ryan Newman's in the hot seat. There's not really much we have to talk about this week because I got busy. Cue the intro. everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Past Science and Other Reasons podcast. I am the very glitchy Alex Wood, aka Destroyer H. <laughs> With me, as always, is Mary, aka Ultimate Twenty Three Dragon. Hello. As you can see, I'm not my normal spot today. Mm-hmm. Uh Mary, why do you think that is?
1: Well, it looks like you're at a library, so I guess I'm you're not at, your at college. a library.
0: I'm not at a library.
1: I see books in the background, so
0: I'm in a library, but I'm not at a library. Okay. And I've got see it's 1233 right now. Mm-hmm. I've got just over a half hour to do this. So let's get That's into no it. That's no problem. I can, but I can be late to co- but I can be late to my next class. <laughs> okay. My teacher will not care. He does not <clears throat> take roll call. Ah, got it. As you can see, I am not drinking my normal Dr. Pepper. I've given mm-hmm. that stuff up. Oh. I am going to live a much more healthy lifestyle by cutting out carbohydrates, carbonation. I'm eating low carbs and low calories now. Okay. That's cool. Uh, is it? Is there, am I trying to win back my ex-girlfriend? Uh, Mary, why don't you answer that?
1: <laughs> no.
0: We don't talk about my ex-girlfriend. Ooh. Yeah, really. Especially uh, Mary, anyway, so
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I spent two dollars on this when I can usually get it for one seventy-five.
1: Eh. Well, Michigan does have that weird oh. ten-cent tax thing. So. Oh no,
0: no, 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 not at all. So the reason I'm, do- it's because I got this from the bookstore here and not at the vending machine. And I should not have worn sweatpants when I did my leg stuff today. Um, <laughs> anyways, we're recording this on March 7th. Oh, man, there's something going on today. I can't remember. I know it's your video premiere, but there's something else. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: There's
0: something else. I, I, I can't remember.
1: I know what it is.
0: A, is it someone's anniversary?
1: You have the right idea, but it's not okay. an
0: anniversary. Oh, okay, so it's a celebration celebration not an anniversary baby shower no oh yeah because no one i know is pregnant um (laughs) except (laughs) possibly my ex-boyfriend um (laughs) anyway oh man it'll probably come to me by the end of it'll probably come to me in the next 25 minutes um all right but anyways I probably should have gotten more cough drops because I only have three left. Not a sponsor, all, all, all cough drops. Gatorade, yeah. sponsor me. Uh, Smock needs to sponsor <laughs> me. Uh, so does Aegis. or I'm sorry, Geek Vape. Uh, that's the mod of vape that I vape on. Uh, is, did I bring it today? I'm going to bring it and do it outside during my lunch break. Um, all right, I'm just puffing away outside. But anyways... Anyway, uh yesterday's Vegas race was actually pretty good, especially that last lap.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm surprised.
0: but but the entire but the entire race does not is not summed up by the last two laps Oh no, no. 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 not at all. But overall it was good. I'm not just saying it was good because because I like the finish. Haha <laughs> Hugh Larson.
1: <laughs> and Bush.
0: And I don't have a diecast today. But instead of showing a diecast that I have today, I'm okay. going to show a diecast okay. I want today.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Okay, so today's di- a diecast that uh, that I want is. Oh, here's a good one. This diecast that I that I would like to get. Let's see if I can get a picture of it here. Is Matt Kenseth's 2003, oops, is Matt Kenseth's 2003 Smirnoff Ice Triple Black Championship Ford.
1: Okay. Corruption. Okay.
0: What's your diecast?
1: Oh, well, I don't know if I showed this before or not, but do you remember when, uh, they basically made die-casts of not just the race cars, but other knick-knack items that look like race cars.
0: Yes, I had some of them myself. I had a Dale Earnhardt well, um, boat. <laughs> from his well, Wrangler today, car.
1: Well, today, my die-cast is a uh, McDonald's-era Bill Elliott bus! <laughs> yes, this is a thing.
0: That's <laughs> abnormal. Oh, yeah. But anyways, Vegas. Yeah. What do we want to talk about regarding Vegas?
1: Well, there's a few things we could talk about. Uh, the cup race, it was won by Alex Bowman in a thrilling uh, last lap duel. A lot of. Uh, by the way,
0: uh, update to the points. You are one <laughs> point ahead of – I am one point ahead of you.
1: Who was your pick last week? Chase Elliott. Let's okay. see. Because uh, I know I, I picked Kyle Busch.
0: You pick Kyle Bush. I pick Chase Elliott. I'm going to tally up points because you had four. Points. You had what? four plus. I'm doing math. Hey, okay. I'm doing math. And who'd you pick for? Oh, you had Larson. You have 44. I mean, don't you have 40? Because there were only 36 cars at Vegas or at California last week. Uh, you have 30. Yeah, you have 36. I had, who did I pick? Bowman. I had... 36 minus 15. Minus 15. It's 21. 21. uh,
1: Minus 40 minus 21
0: is... uh, 40 minus 21 is 19. Okay, so then I had 32 plus 19. 55, and I picked Chase Elliott to win this week. And Chase Elliott finished in, I get 31, I'm at 86, Mary is at 40 plus, 37, 38, 39, 37, 36, 35, 34. Yeah, so I am 12 points ahead of you.
1: Okay, cute. Uh, anyway, uh, Bowman won the race in a uh, in- very nice duel. Uh, most of the Hendrick guy- guys took two tires on the last stop. That basically changed everything. And it was a caution that Nascar Neglected, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Xfinity, stolen by Ty Gibbs.
0: I don't really say it was stolen.
1: There's a lot of debate on whether Ty Gibbs jumped the last restart because he was second coming to the line, but he beat the leader Noah Gregson to the line. I
0: don't think he stole. I don't think he stole the win. I, I think it was. I think it was just a good race.
1: <laughs> uh, Truck Series was the here and there race, which is surprising. It was won by Chandler Smith.
0: That's the there part.
1: Yeah, it was actually a pretty good duel with Zane Smith, who got disqualified, but it it was (laughs) actually still a good duel. It was better than I expected.
0: Here's the thing about Chandler Smith. He's a good guy, but he's going at the pace of life way too quick. Married. He's got a baby on the way. Chandler, man. Listen. How old is he? 19. Same age as me. He's a few months older.
1: Okay. Okay. Got it.
0: Yeah, what do you think about that?
1: That does seem a bit too quick, but hopefully it works out for him.
0: And you know I have experience in that department, Mary.
1: To an extent.
0: At one uh, time there's see. a ring on this finger. There is not any I more.
1: Know. I know.
0: You can tell uh, people that part. Like you can tell people what happened. You just can't tell them the exact details as to why what happened happened.
1: I prefer not to, anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, IndyCar. We'll see you on March 20th. SRX. We'll see you on June 18th. And Stadium Super Trucks. We might see you on April 9th.
0: Stadium Super Trucks. We do not cover that.
1: Since when?
0: Since I made the executive decision to not cover two cars going in a straight line, and trucks jumping over shit. You could see my, my chest hair. I picked way too loose of the shirt today.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: You're not the same age as any of these girls here, Mary.
1: I think I know that.
0: They're, they're probably at max 28.
1: Well, that's kind of close to me, but anyway.
0: Yeah, the youngest professor is your age.
1: Okay, that that works. So let's see. Uh, Hot topics. There are three pieces of news. We already covered one of them, Ty Gibbs and the Jump the Restart thing, and whether that was an actual thing or not. Uh, There's two other things that need to be covered in terms of the news for the week. First of all, the new car so far. Is the performance what we're expecting from the new car for Cup?
0: Uh, Yeah, You're more qualified to answer that than me.
1: Okay. Well, here's my take on the new car so far. The new car still needs a lot of work in a lot of different areas. However, it's so far so good. So for the moment, I'm cautiously optimistic. Oh my goodness! Ultimate twenty-three dragons optimistic about something. It's a miracle. It, well, Hell's frozen over That I'll tell you about the NASCAR moment that made hell froze over later on.
0: on I know what, what moment that was. <laughs> you do? Yes.
1: What is what is it then?
0: Fresh lots win in Bush Country.
1: That's right. <laughs> if you get the next things, you get the reference. There. Yeah. Yes, that's the translation. Anyway. So I'm cautiously optimistic. We're only three races in. It's going to take the entire year to figure out if this is a pass or a fail or if there needs to be upgrades.
2: Hell's but so far, over Hell, Michigan.
1: so far, so good. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is NASCAR has some safety problems.
0: Are you stupid? I'm questioning your competency, and I'm a college kid.
1: Please elaborate.
0: Okay, Jason. NASCAR... When does he
1: use that term? Go on.
0: NASCAR has some safety issues. No doubt. Oh, yeah. It's one of those... Take it from a man... Who has done this for quite a long time? Yes. Excuse me. That was a burp.
1: (laughs) I heard that.
0: I know. My speakers Uh. aren't turned up as loud because I'm in a library. But, and this is not soundproof. I'm in a library. I'm not at the library. Let me tell you all something. NASCAR obviously has some safety concerns, okay? Yeah. Now, they've had this since their inception. You are driving a 3,400-pound stock car. You're not sitting there typing away on a computer. You're driving a 3,400-pound race car that goes 200 miles an hour. And you're competing against, at max... 39 other people doing the exact same thing. So, so now, and obviously, in the span of two years, from 19, from 2000 to 2001, five drivers lost their lives.
1: Because of head injuries.
0: Exactly. While there are things And today's guest will have some insight on this. While there are things pertaining to this topic that I wanted to discuss, Ryan Newman is still alive. And he is today's guest. Uh So explain to me How, how, listen, driving a race car, it's not like driving your car down the street. Right. But you're just as likely to get killed in a race car as you are driving down the street. Yep. This is not the
2: only flavor of Gatorade I drink.
0: I I drink them all, except that really purple one, that really light purple one.
1: Okay. Okay. So, anyway, uh, there were three different incidents that had uh, safety concerns for NASCAR. The Truck Series one was the Spencer Boyd incident where he spun on the second to last lap, and NASCAR did not throw a caution. And he ended up having a separated shoulder as a result. Hopefully, all will be well for him. Uh, The Xfinity Series race, we had that ferocious Matt Mills crash where it looked like he was kind of out of there for a while, but he's okay. And then this is the the reason I was talking about Cup earlier. Uh, Eric Jones had an incident where he got loose and hit the wall. It looks like he was trying to save it, but the car was a bit wonky on the front stretch, and Nascar did not throw a caution until his car spun into traffic, and I don't know how Bubba Wallace avoided him, but thank God he did, because that could have been catastrophic. now, I, I said this, I'm not big with Bubba Wallace whatsoever, but I'll give credit where credit is due. He did a damn good job avoiding Eric Jones there and preventing a catastrophe. In
0: Bubba's first year, Bubba would have hit him. <laughs> when Bubba was a rookie, he could barely keep his car off the wall. He's really improved, especially last year. I noticed from 2020 <laughs> to 2021, I noticed a big performance shift in his team, or at least in his performance. And right now he's doing a pretty damn good job.
1: <laughs> but NASCAR you got Bubba some issues to, to fix there.
0: I don't have I don't see Bubba being a playoff contender, but I do see I don't see him winning a race, but I do see him being a playoff
2: driver.
1: Debatable. It's going to it's going to it's going to depend on the resources aspect for 2311, so we'll see where that goes.
0: They have Kurt Busch.
1: Exactly. And he's the more experienced person.
0: He's going to rub well, off on Bubba. Oh, God, that snow's really coming down out there, and that's March.
1: It's snowing? Great.
0: That's um, not very helpful.
1: Oh. Oh, dear. All right. Anyways. Yeah.
0: What's next?
1: Well, that's it for the hot topics, so... Uh, Should we do the hot seat?
0: Let's do it. All right. Well, we've hyped it up for a while. It's time for the hot seat here on the Past Times and Other Musings podcast. Today we have a very special guest, uh, not only in the grand scope of NASCAR, but also uh, in my local area. He was the 2002 NASCAR Winston Cup Series Rookie of the Year. He's won a grand total of 51 polls in the Cup Series, 18-time Cup Series winner, including the 2008 Daytona 500 and the 2013 Brickyard 400. Please welcome Mr. Ryan, the Rocket Man, Newman. Howdy. All right. So first off, thanks for being here. And uh, let's take it back to the very beginning. But before we do that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the interview?
2: Well, I mean, I just came inside from splitting wood. So I'm drinking an nice cold Coke and uh, washed my hands off. And, and uh, I mean, I enjoy the outdoors. Um, first of all, I got two beautiful daughters. So I enjoy, enjoyed the outdoors with. And um, um, racing has been a part of my life uh, since I was four and a half years old. And probably before that, I, that I don't remember. But ultimately, my dad is a super big race fan. My grandfather helped build the South Bend Motor Speedway um after he came back from world war ii and it's been uh, been in my blood for for many years uh, but um you know ultimately like i said i enjoy the outdoors um still love racing uh don't have a full-time nascar um or even a part-time nascar job right now and that's that's okay um like i said i'm i'm enjoying parts of life that i've probably missed out on more so than i realized in the last uh, 20 years yeah
0: and uh you've been around nascar for quite a long time you're also from south Bend, indiana is uh most people know that's not far from here. Uh, you can, I, we talked a little bit about you coming up to Whirlpool uh, back in the early 2000s here in, uh, well, actually in Benton Harbor. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit. About, we're we're going to talk a little bit about South Bend and the Michigan area, but we're also going to talk about uh, your NASCAR career. So your your racing career actually did not start in Indiana. It started actually in Niles, Michigan. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, my dad's uh, my dad had a, had an auto repair shop called G and G Auto Service in Niles, Michigan. That um, that was my first job, albeit underpaid, uh, underpaid, but paid under the table at the same time. But um, that's uh, that's where I first got my got grease underneath my fingernails and and learned about cars and things like that. So um, my dad's auto shop um, served also as our race shop um in the future he built a separate wing to the shop and that's where we kept the race cars and stuff like that so when I went to work for my dad I worked during the day at the race sorry at the at the auto repair shop when he needed me but otherwise worked on the race car so spent a lot of time staying busy doing that and and uh definitely have um picked up a lot of things from my dad when it comes to mechanic skills because of that
0: what type of stuff would you do for your dad at G&G?
2: um simple things really um I mean I was pretty young when I started doing that stuff so literally I went from cleaning the uh, nuts and bolts out from behind the uh the benches and uh sorting them putting them putting them away to wiping the toolbox off to eventually uh rotating tires and changing oil and doing simple things like that um I never did big gigantic jobs like engine overhauls or or you know full suspension stuff I was more um I was more an assistant than I was anything else, which was good because I was able to learn. And I, you know, ultimately wasn't responsible for a lot of things that um, that were big and important jobs. I mean, an oil, oil change is important, right? Because if you don't tighten the oil plug, you got a big problem. But um, ultimately, it's a fairly simple job. Where did you get your start racing? Like
0: actually competing? What track?
2: Uh, really, um, Plymouth, Indiana. Um, There's a quarter midget track down there. It was the first place that I routinely went to. Um, I think the first time I ever drove a quarter midget was in New Carlisle, Indiana. I don't believe that any of that exists anymore. And if it does, there's there's no walls to it. Um, but either way, um, just started quarter midgets when I was four and a half. Graduated to midgets in uh, 1993 uh, when I was about 14 uh, and change. And then um, just um, been, been loving and doing it ever since. I mean, once, once, um, once, I had people that believed in me, um, and made me believe in myself. It was easier to to keep climbing up the ladder. What do you believe was uh, your?
0: how well, do I don't want to phrase this question. Um, what are some great memories you have uh, racing in South Bend, in you know South Bend, Northwest Indiana, and also here in Southwest Michigan?
2: All of them. I mean, ultimately, it takes it takes bad memories to make the good memories even better. So if I don't remember the bad stuff, then the good stuff really won't mean much. So um, the, all those memories make um, a career and make something that I'm proud to have done and been a part of. And 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 albeit said, I'm not done yet, but um, I've had a I've had a long forty years of uh, being a race car driver and loved every minute of it.
0: Did uh, racing at Plymouth? Uh, do you think that that really prepared you for the NASCAR levels, or do you think that as you work in the shop, or do you think that uh, anything you did, you know, around here uh, prepared you for not only NASCAR but also your engineering degree?
2: I think it's everything. I mean, I think it's the people you surround yourself with, the experiences that you are a part of, and and ultimately just um, putting all those things together. And and like I said, there's going to be bumps in the road, but. You know that's why you got to have a good shock package and figure out how to overcome those hurdles and move on.
0: So uh, let's talk a little bit about your time growing up here in Michigan, uh, but not about, but not related to racing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about South Bend and like uh, something you feel uh, everyone should know about it? David said that it's more than just the home of Notre Dame. He said to him, it's the home of, it's home to him and Bruno's Pizza, which Bruno's is good, by the way. Uh, I've had it. I love it. But um, what would you tell someone about South Bend that who's never been to South Bend? Uh,
2: I don't even know it exists anymore. I think it, I think it does. But um, Pizza King was uh, my go-to place, my dad's go-to place, uh, and ultimately my first sponsor. They bought my first uniform when I was in Quarter Midgets, which I still have, uh, which is very, very, very special to me. Um, for somebody that you know, believed in me, you know, happened to be a friend of my dad, but also believed in me and believed in him and and made it so far. Um, It all started in South Bend, Indiana for me. So, um, you know, we know um, that uh, the the money of the world drives us to keep going and be up, being able to keep going and doing. And, and if I wouldn't have got that start, who knows? Right.
0: Right. And uh, in my opinion, we we call Mishawaka Elkhart and South Bend. That's pretty much all one town, really.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it didn't used to be, but when I was growing up, there was Mishawaka and there was South Bend. And, uh, outside of that was Granger. That's where all the rich people live. But yep. um, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been long removed from that area. Yeah, Granger's got kind of its
0: own little area now. It's like you go straight into Main Street. Yeah, Main Street, and then uh, you're and then boom, Granger's here, and then. Uh is here. It's it's a it's a weird layout, and there's a bunch of roundabouts in that area that I don't really like, and I think they're kind of pointless. But um, so you also have memories here in Southwest Michigan. Can you tell us some, uh, maybe some of those?
2: Yeah, I mean I grew up racing quarter midgets in um, southwestern Michigan, and. And uh, Indiana, Ohio, and a little bit of Illinois, but but ultimately raced uh, midgets and some quarter midgets. And and my uh, my grandparents had a cottage up on a little lake called Dewey Lake in southwestern Michigan. So um, that was a place to vacation. It was also home uh, in a roundabout way because that was my first real experience in the outdoors and and being able to fish with my grandfather.
0: So you're big into the outdoors, and we're going to talk about that as well. And you graduated from South Bend LaSalle High School in 1996. Uh, David Strummy also talked a little bit about how you guys knew each other in high school and you guys would wear racing shirts before racing was cool to a lot of people <laughs> but what are some memories you have of David?
2: Well we didn't care if anybody thought it was cool it's just what we did and we actually used to go to lunch together on occasion um, back when we could go out to lunch um, literally walk down the street to McDonald's or whatever place Arby's whatever there was to uh, to get something other than what everybody else was eating for slop in the in the cafeteria but um, yeah, I mean, his his family grew up racing South Bend Motor Speedway and street stocks and late models. And um, his brother raced, his mom, his dad raced, made a lot of made a lot of um, name for himself there. Um, but ultimately, I know that you know he he wanted to do bigger and better things, and he was able to achieve that and and then some. I mean, he's got a great um, great deal going with the dirt late sorry the dirt modified business with Lethal Chassis, and and um, you know made made a career out of uh, being a, a local racer.
0: And uh, maybe that's what you might end up doing. You know, I'd, I'd like to possibly come out and see your race at some, at some point. I mean, I grew up watching your race at Michigan, and it, it was cool seeing a guy like yourself in South Bend, you and David, both starting out here and then going to the upper echelons of NASCAR. So when you left, or sorry, when you graduated South Bend, or from LaSalle, you decided to pursue an engineering degree at Purdue University. What made you decide to pursue a degree in engineering at Purdue?
2: Well, my parents told me I was going to college, so I needed to figure out a good place to go that was close to home and had a good, had a good curriculum that I would at least potentially enjoy, and that was you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, as they call it now, but ultimately it was math and physics for me back in the day and, and uh, became an engineer at Purdue University. So um, fortunately, I've only had to use that to supplement my career as a race car driver and not fall back on a diploma to say that I'm a, I'm getting a job in racing.
0: How did you balance your time racing and traveling as well as going to college?
2: I just did it. Uh, I always said that um, I could go back and make up a class, but I couldn't make up a race. Um, because the same books were going to be available next year. But that race meant a lot to me. So, um, and I, I focused definitely harder on the racing career than I did school. Fortunately, school took me four and a half years, which was pretty much on schedule. I, I was uh, pretty aggressive with my, with my hours um, per semester. And I think at one point, I think I took 21 at one point and passed 18 of them, um, which was better use of my parents' money than, than uh, thankfully, they don't put the GPA on the uh, diploma. So um, I just did what I had to do to try to knock it out and get an education.
0: Yeah, I'm in college right now at, at the time of doing this interview. And um, I'm still trying to make a name for myself in racing. But, you know, just the small things add up. And that's what I've seen, you know, through, through yourself, through David, and even through Irish Saunders. Uh, on the topic of Irish, before we start talking NASCAR, do you have any stories or memories of Irish that you'd like to share?
2: Man, I've known Irish for, I guess, ever – every bit of uh, 25 years, probably since I was probably 18. Um, Yeah, I guess that puts it right at 25 years. So um, no, no great stories. I mean, he's been dedicated to short track, mostly pavement racing for pretty much all that I know of. And, you know, he's got a, he's got a happy and sad uh, relationship, I guess you could say with the, with his, with his son and racing, because uh, he, you know, he's still successful, was successful, still successful, but was injured in, in a, um, I believe a motor, motorbike incident. Uh, but ultimately, um, still lives and breathes um, racing um, and the competition and, and the, the the business side of it as well.
0: And when, uh, I, I didn't really know how to shift from Irish to, to NASCAR, so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what we're here for. I got a list of questions on my phone. Uh, a lot of, yeah, uh, people are still trying to text me. Um, I just now got your text, so sorry about that. But uh, that's all right. Uh, so when you came in, well, you started in ARCA in 2000, and at the time, to- at that time, when you were coming into NASCAR, NASCAR was going through a lot of changes. In 2000, we lost three drivers. Did losing Adam Petty, Kenny Irwin, and Tony Roper ever hinder your your thought of you know? Maybe this is a little dangerous, or did that not have any effect on
2: uh, your plan? Um, not really. I mean, at, at that point, we all knew racing was dangerous for decades. Um, unfortunately, we had a bad, bad set of circumstances and the string there of drivers. Dale Earnhardt being the biggest and most referenced one, obviously, but um, you know that that was nothing new. It just happened to be a lot at one time, and i uh, never changed my my intent or goals to be a nascar winston cup driver at the time
0: did now we had Lyndon amick on and he said you ultimately have to convince yourself that it's not going to have that that type of stuff isn't going to happen to you what's your response to that
2: yeah uh, there's a lot of people that jump in a passenger car every day and either go to work or go entertain themselves doing something um and it's really just as dangerous if not more on the street than it is in a race car um, so we all have some calculated risk at some point, but you should um you should not uh you should not not do what you love um if if you can and enjoy it and, and um you know make it a pastime.
0: I definitely agree with that. You know, we all do you know, anything can happen to anyone is basically my my philosophy there. My family's been through and, a lot. And
2: ultimately we don't make those decisions. I mean we yeah. can we can be calculated about it, but um, I look back at like guys like AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti and uh, several others that, um, for all practical purposes, I mean, there's there's a reason they're alive, but there's yeah. there should be like a hundred reasons why they're not, and uh, they were more than just lucky; they were really good. And um, you know, there's a there's a balance of being good and lucky, and, and a lot of things in life.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something I agree with. And the and then after two thousand, you. Now you won a, uh, an ARCA race in 2000 and moved to the Bush Series in 2001. You won a lot of polls that year. You won a race in at Michigan, and you also ran some cup races. What was it like jumping from ARCA to the Bush Series and also doing those cup, cup races as a teammate to Jeremy Mayfield and Rusty
2: Wallace? It was really easy because we had great equipment and great people and didn't realize really how good it was at the time. But it was really special looking back at it to um, to know that you know we were we were an ARCA team that was just starting, but we were pretty much as good as a lot of other Cup teams and and uh, Bush teams out there. So um, you know, an amazing start with amazing people, and and we had amazing results. And and they they could have, would have, should have been so much more, but they weren't, and that's okay.
0: And you took uh, Jeremy's spot in two thousand two, and you fought. Uh, J- I must said your name. Uh- Jimmy Johnson is who you battled for uh, rookie of the year, but you won rookie of the year despite finishing lower than Jimmy in the points. Uh, for those of you who don't know, rookie of the year points were calculated differently back in the day. So the reason Ryan won is because I think Ryan had more top fives, but polls also counted. Ryan also had, yeah, they the had, a,
2: they had a math system. And then basically in the end, it took uh, took your best average finish over so many races, not the entire season. So you got to throw out a bunch of your bad races, which is part of being a rookie. Um, so basically they wanted to take and give you the points on what you excelled at, not what your average was. And and we did beat them um, in in respect to that. And I always kind of joke, I said, uh, you know, looking back at it now, with his seven championships and mine none, um, you know, you, you got an opportunity to win the championship every year, but you only got one chance to be rookie of the year. And I got that over him. So. I'm pretty sure that he will take, you know, one and or more of his championships back uh, or keep keep them over getting rookie of the year. But I still got one thing on Jimmy Johnson.
0: Do you? What's your relationship like with
2: Jimmy now? It's good. I mean, I no, no have, have no issues with him, but we don't see each other. We don't talk a whole lot every once in a while, maybe once a year or something like that. But that's it. That's all it's ever been. So when...
0: You came to Penske. You were a teammate to Rusty Wallace. I've heard some stories uh, from Rusty uh, when he was on other podcasts. What was the relationship like between you and Rusty?
2: Well, if you've heard some stories, then I guess you want the truth. Yes, <laughs> I want your side of them. That's why I, I want said. your no, side I said of the You story. want the truth. That's why I said yeah. you want the truth. If you've heard yeah. some stories from Rusty, then you definitely want the truth, right? Yes. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't very good. I mean, um, it's um, it just, you know, he, he gave me an opportunity. He was part owner of the team uh, with uh, with Roger Penske being the majority owner and Don Miller as well. And, and ultimately, we had success together, but it wasn't blissful by any means. Um, it, it, there was times times where it was good. Don't get me wrong. But ultimately, it just it, um it had more challenges than needed. And um, un- unfortunately, that's a that's a tough part of our sport because your teammates are also your competitors and you really have to swallow a lot of pride and ego. And that was, that was kind of tough for him at that time.
0: And Rusty was the grizzled veteran. Here you are the young kid coming in. You're both from the Midwest and you know, you're essentially the young guys were stealing the older guys thunder. Take a look at Jeff, take a look at Jimmy, take a look. Well, Jeff and Jimmy also had their battles, but, and then 2003, that was your best season statistically, but it was plagued with um, mechanical failures and accidents. Yeah, we had
2: lots of, lots of blown engines. We lost 14 engines that year in between testing and practice and races. So they were, they were rushed out on performance, but the durability wasn't there. So that cost us, that cost us really a good chance at a championship. You know, ultimately it, it, it uh, would have cost us some poles at the same time because a lot of our poles were based off of the advantage we had on power, but the durability didn't match the power. And
0: and your most notable wreck was in the 2003 Daytona 500. Could you tell us a little bit about that wreck?
2: Uh, I just remember kind of coming off turn four and I got hit in the right rear. I'm not sure if it was my fault or somebody else's fault. We came together and I caught the pit gate. Uh, to exit the racetrack, the crossover gate between uh, turn four and start finish line. And it ripped a tire off the wheel and uh, sent the car airborne after it turned sideways. And I was along for the ride. But um, it was the the most eerie part of it was when it got quiet and didn't expect it to get quiet uh, while you're still traveling at 150 miles an hour. And it did. And uh, fortunately, I was able to be safe and walk away and get to Atlanta the next week. Or Rockingham. I think it was Rockingham the next week. It was Rockingham. It was Rockingham, but we actually went and tested Atlanta. That oh, week. really? Yeah, so I got out of the car and was like two days later, we were testing in Atlanta.
0: I remember you telling – well, I don't remember this. I remember seeing the video. You told Gene to Alaska. last go, I got a little bit of dirt in my teeth, but other than that, I'm okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I still got my helmet and it's still got dirt in it.
0: Really? Yep. So then we move on to 04. You're continuing your success. Rusty wins his last race, and then 2005, Rusty – Rusty's going to retire. What was that year kind of like?
2: Up and down for the same reasons.
0: Is that, uh, are you talking about in terms of the relationship with Rusty or the results of the team? Because that was your last win for a while when you got your uh, win in the first chase race that year.
2: Yeah, ultimately that was, I mean, that was kind of dictates it when you're, when your relationship with your teammate and your car is up and down, it uh, it has a it has a uh, cost to your performance. And um, I'd say over time, I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers, but over time, it it did slow slow our performance down.
0: What about when Kurt joined the team in 2006? What what changes were made uh, between you know? Kurt had quite a bit of success. You didn't win again until the 2008 Daytona 500. What impact do you think that Kurt Bush joining had on you?
2: You know, there was a lot of turmoil going around that. I mean, because Kurt, Kurt just came from getting fired after a tirade of events at Phoenix and was at Roush and, you know, was obviously a, a per- performing driver. But, um, you know, ultimately I didn't have any say and not that I needed to have any say, but I didn't get to, you know, have a say in, in who was going to be a part of our organization and my teammate. Um, and I don't think that that, um, you know, that didn't mean anything so much then until two years later when, when we won Daytona together. That was, that was what made it so special um, because Kurt was on an emotional rebound and we were, you know, kind of both fighting for, uh, um, you know, a win. And, and, and neither of us had a super speedway win for Penske. So it was a big deal.
0: Do you think that the 77 team uh, that was the the car that was driven by Brendan Gaughan in 2004 and and Travis Quapel in 2005, do you think that a team that struggles like that also impacts the two, I guess, the two cars that are performing in the top 10, top five every single week? Or do you think that that doesn't really have much of an impact?
2: We didn't. We tried to not let it have much of an impact. But, you know, in the end, it's all it all ties together. So
0: we talk about when you won to the two thousand eight Daytona five hundred. Can you tell us a little bit about that day in that race?
2: Uh, it was just a special day and a special race, but didn't know that going in. Knew we had a good car. Um, knew that our performance in the in the uh 125s was was good. I think we finished uh, third. Uh, yeah, I think it was third because uh, I think we started fifth. But you know, either way, we had a you know, good competitive car all the speed weeks and put herself in contention at the end. And when I looked in the mirror, Kurt was there and um, just uh, good timing.
0: Unfortunately, that was your last year with Penske, and that was uh, probably your most successful stint in NASCAR or at least in the Cup Series. You make the move to SHR the next year. Uh, what was that? Was was that like a decision, or what was that process like? Was it did Tony come to oh, you?
2: Just struggling with uh, with with Penske at the time. It really was just, uh, you know, after after 2000 and, and basically two, three, and four, a little bit of five. Um, you know, the performance had really tapered off, and we were falling behind on a lot of things, and and um, really just um, needed to do something to, to better my career at that point because it was, you know, we were. You know, looking back at it, we were probably getting close to the, the bottom of the valley, but nobody knows how long that valley is uh, or how long the road goes before you climb ne- the next mountain. And, um, you know, I decided to, to jump jump mountain ranges and create my own, uh, you know, destiny with, with Stuart Haas and Tony's situation. So we did that. And obviously it had its, its pros and cons, just every other relationship does. And you had
0: another notable accident that year at Taldega in the chase race when you when you well too at Talladega, when when Carl uh, Edwards hit your front, hit, hit your front end at Talladega and he hit the fence, and you also landed on uh, Brad Kislowski's or not Brad Kislowski, sorry, Kevin uh, Harvick. Harvick's uh, front end. Can you tell us a little bit about those accidents?
2: Just crashes, man. I've had plenty of them.
0: And um, that, that's ultimately what they are at the end of the day, I'm guessing. It's just like, oh, that's just another accident.
2: No, <laughs> but looking back at it, when you're able to get through it, they're just another accident.
0: And then 2010, you won your first race at uh, Phoenix for SHR, and then you also had quite quite a bit of more success, uh, including the 2013 Brickyard 400. As a native Hoosier yourself, what's that like? I know Tony has the has a couple Brickyard trophies, but what's that like from your perspective when you finally what?
2: won it? I was close uh, a few times uh, you know with some top five runs and had really good performances um, at the brickyard so it was home it was special but um, 2013 made it super special because we we went there the week after I had you know got notified I was out of a job and um, you know back I guess four years before that whatever it was took a leap of faith to um, to be a part of something and grow something and at that point you're told you're not you're not good enough anymore um, even though we had one. So uh, figure that out. Right. And then um, you um, you go out there and you win the pole and lead a bunch of laps and win the race and uh, and do it with the crew chief that uh, was at your your last uh, your first start. So when Borland was there, um, when we won the Brickyard, that was that was super special. He wasn't there to be my crew chief at the uh, Daytona 500. I know he was not spirit, but, you know, ultimately we got together for the, the Brickyard and 2013 season, made the playoffs and, and made the best of something.
0: Who was your sponsor in 2013? Because I believe the Army left in, after
2: 2012. We had Quick and Loans on the okay. car.
0: Okay, because I thought. Wait, did was Newman sponsored by Army in 2013? I couldn't remember, but it was Quick Loans no. and you drove the Smurf car in that? In that, people party. in Washington,
2: the people in Washington DC screwed that deal up.
0: I heard. Yeah,
2: that's why the National Guard left Junior in
0: 2014. Right. That. I did like Junior's National Guard scheme from 2014. I also liked a lot of your paint schemes. I think my favorite one was probably uh, the Tornadoes car from 2010 that you won Phoenix with. And then in 2014, you replaced Jeff Burton. And you almost, in the words of Darian Gilliam, a.k.a. Black Flags Matters, a NASCAR YouTube content creator, uh, you almost exposed the system because NASCAR wanted to create a new playoff system where you had to where you had to win and if you didn't pass Kyle Larson you uh wouldn't have made it in and Jeff Gordon would have made it in but also if Kevin Harvick wouldn't have won the race uh Jeff would have made it in what was it like getting to battle for the championship that year against Joey and Denny and Kevin
2: um you know it was pretty special because I just came from where I was fired and then uh like you said we I didn't really expose the mathematical system. They just weren't smart enough to figure out their own math or lack of math, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, in the end, I think they decided to change it up a little bit because that's not exactly what they wanted, um, which is fine. But, um, you know, either way, it was a, a, a proud moment in my career to, uh, to be as close as we were. Um, Albeit, I guess you could go back and look at um, other years and say that if you would have used this point system, this guy would be a champion or that guy would be a champion. But ultimately, every year you got that opportunity to... And the rules are out there to know what you have to do to to win win the championship numerically. And uh, we were close, you know, missed it by one spot, one position, and um, it was um, something to be proud of.
0: Other YouTubers have actually done that. They've actually made YouTube videos saying, hey, if... uh they if they had the playoffs in two thousand four then yeah, Jeff Gordon would have won the championship or uh in two thousand eight you would have won the championship or
2: something like that but
0: yeah, yeah and in if, the baseball,
2: 2000... if the baseball was the size of a soccer ball everybody could hit it so it's it's yep. okay
0: and then uh <laughs> two thousand thirteen I think I think the whole reason that happened was for one reason gate in two thousand thirteen but that's just my opinion and then uh, you had a pretty you had a pretty rocky time at RCR in 2015 and 16. You also had that uh, incident with Tony at Richmond in 2016 when you said, "Well, that's just what Tony Stewart does. You know, he's driving like he should already be retired." Google Tony Stewart; you can see all the things he's done. Look it up on YouTube. It's it's out there for everybody to see. That's right. You could t- I when I saw the interview, I could tell you were upset, and I, I think that was kind of a bad move on Tony's part. Um, what do Looking back on that, well, mean, first off, what happened for those who don't know. you mean
2: when he purposely took me out for no good reason?
0: <laughs> I think that was the race, because that, that, that was the same race when Jeff Gordon made the dumbest move of his driving career by taking out Chase Elliott, albeit unintentionally. But what happened at Richmond in 2016 between you and Tony that led to that? To that, he uh, just had a
2: bad day and took it out on me. That's all. Again, you can go to go to Google or YouTube and you can find several examples of where he's had bad days. You can find several examples of where he's had good days, but um, that was one of his bad days.
0: What's your relationship with Tony like now?
2: It's fine. Well, we got respect for each other and we're friends, um, but just like a lot of times when you are got your helmet on, you can't be friends with everybody or sometimes anybody.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the saying you can't be friends with the world and then... 2017 you win phoenix uh on a gutsy pit call
2: by luke lambert what was the exact pit call uh we did two tires and everybody else did four if i remember right or no we actually stayed out we stayed out uh we won we won uh martinsville with two tires we, we won uh phoenix with no tires i probably got just as many wins in my career with no tires as i do with four tires but um you know that's just a matter of figuring out track position and how good the tires are and how good your car is and we didn't have a good short run car that day. We had a good long run car and the tires were aired up. So we just gave it a shot.
0: And then after 2018, you leave RCR to go to Roush. How did that deal come about?
2: Well, I just, you know, spent whatever it was, four years, five years with one win, you know, after winning eight races and 14 poles in one year in 2003. So I, you know, I was, I knew I was more, I was capable of more than what I was doing um, and getting. So um, made the choice to uh, go to to Roush, which I'd say was you know a mistake, um, just based off of on track performance, especially the last two years. Uh, and you can't you can't blame COVID or you know anything else for that because everybody else had the same opportunity. We we just didn't have performance uh, with the sixth car, and um, it is what it is.
0: And I, uh, I should have asked this earlier. How did how did the decision to go to RCR come about?
2: Uh really was just fired so I mean at that point I when I won the Brickyard uh it just I think was a chain of events where Burton was um you know getting ready to be removed um and go do something else and um they were looking for somebody to fill in the seat of the 31.
0: And then 2019 was your first year behind the wheel of the number six car the all-star race the altercation with Clint Boyer what can you tell can you tell us the story about that?
2: (laughs) He's just he's just a bonehead um he literally after the after the race um you know he had, he had cut 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 me off at the trial bowl twice uh in that last stint and uh actually I had to jump on the brakes once the second time i hit him and and turned him sideways not on purpose but he he turned himself and then um afterwards um you know we were we exchanged bumper hits and then he just turned across my nose and spun himself out into the fence um and then he you know he he thought i did it on purpose but you know he can look back at the replay and see that i never turned turned the tires he just came across my nose and then he tried to come over and, and um, you know, use me as a punching bag and wasn't mad enough to even take his helmet off. But um, either way, um, you know, it was the excitement of the all-star race. And, and, you know, we weren't even racing for the win. So he, um, I think he um, made a, a figurine out of himself that day.
0: I just think that the all-star race, the all-star race is a fun event. It's just no points, get, you know, give no you-know-whats attitude. Just well, have fun. That's you where,
2: know, That's where they all are.
0: And uh, you know, I think as as long as you have a job that you that you enjoy doing, like obviously you enjoyed racing, and I enjoy you know the art writing articles. And I thought about writing an article about you. Uh, I'm probably going to do that if you don't mind, uh, just a biographical article. Um, and uh, we can talk about that at a later date. Um, but later in 2019, you also almost won at. Um, Gosh, what race was that? Oh, it was the playoff race at Talladega. Um, yeah, when came, they let
2: when they let Ryan Blaney go below the yellow line to to pass me.
0: I'm trying to think back on that. I I thought I thought you passed him on the outside, and then Blaney cut down below, and he just got you by that much.
2: He got me by that much, but he went below the yellow line to get me by that much, and they let it go because he was in the playoffs and I wasn't.
0: Do you think that the all line is, rule is stupid like Dale Jr.
2: thinks it is? Well, no racetrack should have an out-of-bounds. That's for sticking ball sports. I agree. I
0: mean, I definitely agree with that because look what Jeff Gordon did in 1999, Daytona 500. He ends up winning the race.
2: Yeah, but in the end, you, know, you, you, you do what you got to do to create the advantage. And, I mean, a racetrack should be designed – Unlike Phoenix, where you don't have to race below the the below the the yellow line, the white line, or whatever you want to call it, to 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 compete. Unfortunately, they continue to to, to design new tracks that are not as good as old ones, and uh, which is a separate subject. But you know, to me, ultimately, the 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 out of bounds line is not a good thing.
0: So we talk. I brought up Jeff Gordon briefly. Like you, Jeff got his race and start racing quarter midgets. Do you have any uh, memories of Jeff that you'd like to share or a story about Jeff?
2: Not in particular. I mean, he, we have a similar background. Raced open-wheel cars, raced on, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday Night Thunder and all that stuff. And, um, even had the same car owners. Uh, he won the Silver Crown Championship in 91 with uh, Eden Motorsports, and I won in 99 with Eden Motorsports. So, um, you know, we got we got some things that are definitely in common.
0: Yeah, Jeff is Jeff is definitely uh, a generational talent like yourself, like Tony, like Dale Jr. Um, but then 2020, the Daytona 500 gets rained out. You're about to win. But then Ryan Blaney tags you in the rear, spins you out and then you have that accident where you're sliding down the track in a shower of sparks. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Not really. I mean, it, it was, I was, in, I was in contention to be in the right spot at the right time in the right place. But um, in the end, um, you know, he, he kind of hooked me uh, incidentally and turned me into the fence, got airborne. And, you know, I don't remember anything else. So it was a bad day, um, potentially really close to a good day, but it's, uh, it's part of history now.
0: What do you believe saved your life in that wreck?
2: Um, a lot of things. I mean, I think ultimately it was um, some luck, but um, good people doing a good job with the safety of the sport and the cars. Uh, Unfortunately, my car got airborne when it shouldn't have, uh, which led to me getting hit in the cage right in the driver's window like it shouldn't have. Um, But it's still, I was, in in turn, I still feel like I was lucky enough uh, to um, literally survive an impact of a car right to my helmet. Um, And then secondly, uh, I believe, and maybe more so ultimately, um, that there was a lot of praying and angels that uh, had something to do with it because um, I know that um, looking at my helmet afterwards, I shouldn't be alive.
0: And I'm going to say this as someone who is a native to your area, where all, well, Southwest Michigan, you're from Northwest Indiana, but it's pretty much the same, honestly. But we're all glad you're here. We're glad you you made it out the way you did and 2 days later you're walking out of the hospital with both of your daughters in hand. Like that was if people want to question the safety of these race cars, Ryan is a testament to how safe these cars are cuz 20 years ago that wreck probably wouldn't have Ryan wouldn't be here talking to me today if if that wreck happened 20 years ago.
2: That's one side of it. The other side of it is we still make bad judgments with speed and some of, the, some of the design parts of it. So the car should have never got upside down. And I never should have been in a position where my, you know, I had contact, I had car to helmet contact in a stock car. Um, so to me, ultimately, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. Um, and if we would look back at the last 20 years, a lot of things did get fixed um, so that I could live through an accident like that. And uh, we have to, to continue the development of safety. Um, but, again, um, yes, blessed. And ultimately, um, still have to make better decisions on, on safer barriers and cars and things like that for using the technology for the future.
0: What do you think NASCAR could do to improve the racing? What do you think they – or improve uh, – <laughs> just a waste. Improve That's a
2: waste. That's a wasted conversation.
0: <laughs> Why do you say that?
2: look at what they've done (laughs) you can't even have a flat tire and drive a car back to the pits now
0: well yeah especially with that next-gen car I don't know if you watched the race on Sunday but look what happened to Chase Elliott
2: well there was I think four or five of them that had flat tires and couldn't drive it back to the pits unfortunately so that's your that's your design crew on the the NASCAR side um so when a guy when it when a sponsor spends Let's just say a half million dollars for all practical purposes, and um, they have a flat tire and literally can't drive the car back to the pits. It's pretty poor. Yeah, it's, so the rest to my point, yeah. the rest of it, the rest of it's just negligible. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you yeah, fix, I agree with you. If You, you can't on design that. something new that is reasonable. Then don't discuss the rest of it.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, you're also racing in the 2022 SRX series, so that's yeah, I look something. To that.
2: Yeah, what look what are to you that. most
0: looking forward to about that?
2: Just competing with all the great drivers. Um, you know, it's it's a combination of successful drivers that um, have got the invite, and uh, some one-off drivers that have got the invite. Uh, but short track racing, which I think is some of the best racing, and then when you add in the dirt side of it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just right. I mean, it's, it's a lot of what I enjoy and, um, you know, it'd be fun to race against those other great drivers and, you know, what's, what's as equally as prepared of a race car as possible and, um, and go out and put on a show for the fans on CBS.
0: Yeah. And you also raced in IROC and I do see a lot of similarities between the SRX series and IROC as well. A lot of the greats did IROC, and There are a lot of greats that are doing um, uh, the SRX series, I wouldn't put it past Tony if Tony gave you the, if Tony told you anything. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a great series. I really do. And um, so there's one top. There's one story I heard about you that I'd like to br- that would like to bring up your your trip to Whirlpool, the Whirlpool headquarters in Benton Harbor. Could you tell
2: us a little bit about that? Man, that was 20 years ago. I don't remember. I did uh, did some autographs and hung out. Um, and um, that's, that's, that's a long time ago.
0: For anyone who hasn't been to South or uh, sorry, St. Joe or Benton Harbor, uh, what would you tell them about the area?
2: Uh, well, I've always said about South Bend, it's a good place to be from. Um, and I mean that with, with all respect because, I mean, that, I got my education there. It was good people. Um, but I grew up to do bigger and better things, move to North Carolina and, and uh, be a stock car driver. So uh, for me, it was a good place to be from. Uh, And I think David Stremme would tell you the same thing. And lots of people that, um, you know, move on to big, bigger and better things in different places that uh, I learned a lot of things about life, core values. And like I said, good people that uh, that help instill that. But, um, you know, and I think that's um, that's a Midwest thing, let's just say. Um, But it's also a rural thing. I don't think that you would get that experience in uh, the big cities. Um, and, and say for instance, the Detroits or Chicago's or Indianapolis and things like that. So I I didn't grow up there, but either way, I was happy to grow up in South Bay.
0: Yep. St. Joe is also a great place to grow up. Uh, it's it's a nice beach town. We've got a beach probably about five minute drive from my house. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of great people around here. Um, like I said, Ryan, we're, I'm extremely honored to be from this area and part of that a great part of that is because of you and David, because you guys lived, are livi- got to live my childhood dream. I always wanted to be a race car driver, but it didn't pan out the way that I hoped for. Um, but now I want to be a commentator, commentating races, uh, maybe take over Jeff's old job. But there's uh, there's a portion at the end of the interview, now that I don't have any questions, uh, where I allow the guests to ask me a question if, uh, if they have any. So if you have any questions, uh, feel
2: free to ask. Uh, what are you doing with the Chicago Cubs shirt on? Doing an interview with a race car driver. I it was cold outside. Oh, okay. And and uh,
0: I figured I <laughs> I figured I'd get on my Cubs uh, sweatshirt. Actually, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, you're probably familiar with the the baseball team in South Bend. They're actually the South Bend Cubs now. They're our Cubs affiliate.
2: Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they got I Forget, I out forget what the they community. were called. I mean, I was I was in town when they first opened the the baseball stadium or whatever it was called. The and, Cove. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's it's four ones field now, but they were the Silverhawks. Yeah.
2: That's right. I got a Colts Colt yeah. shirt in there. No, uh, no uh, desire to talk about anything other than racing. Just saw your shirt and thought it was ironic. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, anyways, um, yeah, racing. I could talk about racing for hours, it, it, yeah. you could probably tell, but
2: uh, <laughs> it's all good,
0: yeah, but uh, you know, it's. It's fun getting to talk to these local people, especially, you know, yourself and David in Irish as well, because you guys know the area. You guys have a lot of stories. But, uh, yeah, thank you once again to Ryan Newman uh, for this, for taking the time out of his day to do this. And uh, now back to the show. Did you watch the interview prior to today? Oh, yeah. What did you think?
1: I had a lot of takeaways from that one. Such as what? Okay, let's see. Uh, Ryan Newman has nothing going on in terms of NASCAR. Okay. I was always intrigued by the story of why he got into an engineering degree. (laughs) He still wants to brag about the fact he won Rookie of the Year and Jimmy Johnson didn't. And I did not know this, and this makes me question the kieslowski Penske situation more. I did not know that Rusty Wallace was part owner of Penske when he drove for him.
0: When Newman drove for him. Right. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't remember what context Newman was implying. Was like while Rusty was a driver, or while Rusty, or while Newman was there? Like, did Rusty probably
1: when Rusty was his teammate? I think so.
0: I always, I always liked Rusty. He was a good driver.
1: Yeah, I like Newman's analogy of if a baseball was the size of a soccer ball, everyone could hit it. I know some people who probably miss me probably being one of them.
0: Yeah, uh, you know me think- definitely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he still thinks Clint Foyer's a bonehead. Who doesn't think Clint Foyer's a bonehead by this point? Uh, no, Newman, you forced Blaney below the yellow line in 2019 at Talladega. So that argument's out of the window. And no, Alex, Denny Hamlin nearly wrecked Ryan Blaney. That forced him into Ryan Newman. So the 2020 Daytona 500 thing was more on Hamlin than anything.
0: Hamlin cheated to win. Hamlin stole the Daytona 500 2020. Pretty much. I was so mad when he won.
1: And then these next few points are pretty poignant and pretty damning towards NASCAR. First was when Newman said flat out, quote, I shouldn't be alive. That was that was one of those heart-wrenching quotes. Cause I, I've heard some of the interviews after 2020 Daytona, I do not recall him saying that. And he does here. And this is something I said a long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago, and it still holds true. NASCAR needs to hire Newman to help with the safety aspects of their race cars. And this ties in into another quote that I think was pretty damning against NASCAR. When you asked the question, what do you think NASCAR can do to improve the cars? And he said straight out, that's a wasted conversation. And knowing NASCAR, he's right. Why
0: Why do you think that's damning?
1: Because it shows that NASCAR doesn't exactly listen to the drivers that NASCAR wants the audience and specifically the fans want you to believe. Expand. Because if you think NASCAR would go to any driver that in, in terms of trying to figure out ways to help the car, it would be the guy who has been either in the air, or someone's been on top of him in some capacity multiple times in his career. Let alone someone who has an engineering degree. So there's that as well. And uh, regarding the SRX series, Ryan Newman. If you watch our, if you watch this entire thing, beware of Paul Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Why
0: is Paul Tracy the biggest megabaddy of them all after you finish this thing on Newman?
1: (laughs) Because Paul Tracy's basically a combination of all the NASCAR megabaddies, that's why.
0: You'll explain that when you're done talking here.
1: All right, and the last point is, I think I heard David Stemmy say something similar, and Newman said a similar thing. NASCAR is going in a direction that many fans have warned about for years and now former drivers of the series are confirming what those fans warned about.
0: Two drivers who drove for the same team, who, who was one's predecessor and one's, they both drove the 12 car for Penske. Right. From the same town are saying the same thing. Right. Yeah, that's not good. Right. But anyways, I digress. Uh-huh. Why is Paul Tracy the biggest megabaddie of them all?
1: Oh, where do I start? He's got the murderous instinct of Carl Edwards. Ex- He's got.
0: You have to explain every instant. Instance.
1: There was there was a race in two thousand six, and I don't know why Tracy decided to do this. It was early in a race. I think this was Cleveland. So this was pre Windscreen, pre Halo, that kind of thing. I don't know how or why, but Paul Tracy just had the brilliant idea to try and drive over Sebastian Bourdais. His car was literally on Bourdais' neck. Like, if you saw the replay, it looked pretty bad. Luckily, all Bourdais had was a minor neck strain. He was taken to the hospital, but otherwise he would be fine. But Paul Tracy has done a lot of dumb garbage over his entire racing career, and I'm surprised he has not killed anyone.
0: Okay, I'm, so really Carl Edwards.
1: Let's see. He's got the whining aspect of Kyle Bush, more than enough said there. Just look at all of his interviews over his entire career.
0: So there's no specific instance you're talking about?
1: <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Let's see. He thinks he has the golden boy aspect of Kevin Harvick.
0: Explain. Because he
1: thinks he thinks he can get away with anything.
0: Give me an example. Is there an instance?
1: <laughs> let's have you ever heard of a whineritis interview
0: no i'm a journalism major <laughs>
1: it, it was it was on a, it was on a pre-race show that idiot was wearing a mask saying he was protecting himself from whineritis fred by alex tagliani's crew when do we associate alex tagliani with whining that's totally a paul tracy thing He thinks he was the super hot it guy in terms of motorsports like Jeff Gordon.
0: <laughs> nope. Nope. That's not how <laughs> Jeff Gordon was. Uh, Jeff wa- Jeff had talent. Jeff was good. You don't win 13 races in 1998 like Jeff did. You don't win 10 races. A combined 10 rate 20 races in 1997 and 1996 without having talent. And from 1995 to 1999, he won three championships, so suck on that.
1: Tell Paul Tracy that, because that's how he thought he
0: was. Yeah, but Tracy never won a championship. Tracy never – did he win a championship? I don't think he ever won an 8500.
1: No, he hasn't.
0: Tracy if never he won a won championship. won a
1: car title, it was the early 2000s before Bourdais came along.
0: Jeff won three championships, Jeff won two Daytona 500s, Jeff won (laughs) almost 50 races. You explain to me how that had so that, you explain to me why Jeff thought he was the it guy. He wasn't. The it guy was Dale Earnhardt. (laughs) He wasn't an it guy either.
1: Why do you think all their teammates struggles? Because they were the priority drivers. But anyway... Uh, injuring one of my guys, aspect that matches Brian Vickers, and he thinks he's the goat of racing, even though he literally isn't. Like Earnhardt,
0: Earnhardt is one of the best, not the best, one of the best. Right, like that. The way Dale Earnhardt was, he was a badass. That's why I like him.
1: <laughs>
0: he was a fucking okay. badass. <laughs> That man wasn't afraid to hit you. He wasn't afraid to move you. He wasn't afraid to rattle your cage a little bit. Right. That's the way Dale Earnhardt was. Wish I could have seen him race. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Do we have a mailbag question for the week? Yes, we
0: do. Let's pop up the phone. (sighs) This is a Jason Jacoby question, but I'm going to answer it. Hey, Alex, did you see that Jason Jacoby's arrest warrant has been processed on the athens Clark County website? Yes. What does that basically mean? Okay. So, when Jason started, Jason's charges only deal with what he's done to Mm Mackenzie. Not the online community, because here's what he's done to Mackenzie, here's what he's done on the internet. Actually, it would go from Basically, it goes from the floor here all the way to my hand. Well, guess what? What he's done online goes from the floor all the way to the ceiling. Uh-huh. So, so Jason needs, they need to use that in the trial. However, what he's been arrested for only deals with what he's done what he's done to Mackenzie. Uh-huh. Now, there are, he is under investigation for other stuff as well. Uh, people want something. He's under investigation for other stuff as well. Uh-huh. Understand that. He's under investigation yep. for sending lewd pictures to minors. He's under investigation for I know he's under investigation for credit card fraud. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: I know he's under investigation for child <clears throat> excuse me child abuse. I know he's under investigation for child neglect. I know he's under investigation for a lot of things. However, let's pull it up here. Facebook notification. Who's yeah? there's people liking my post? Tinder notification. I need to get off Tinder. Um, yes I literally am delete I'm going to delete my account right now actually good I'm literally doing it right now good <laughs> <The> results. <coughs> All right. And done, Mary. Now you okay. can sleep peacefully tonight knowing I'm not on Tinder. I was at one point. All right. Arrest warrant. Here we go. You guys can't see it, but I can.
1: Uh-huh.
0: All right. Personally appeared, Jody Thompson, who on oath says that the, to the best of his or her knowledge, and belief Jason Jacoby did between December sixteenth, twenty twenty one, nine a.m. and January fifth, two thousand 2022 at nine p.m. commit the felony offense of aggravated stalking in violation of OCGA code code section sixteen five ninety one at McKenzie's address. I'm not going to give it out. Oh yeah, Athens, Clark County, Georgia. Athens, Clark County, Georgia, and against McKenzie Gordon and the law. As of the state of Georgia, prosecutor, there's further state that the accused, in violation of a permanent civil restraining order on the Hall count, a Georgia Superior Court case number, whatever his number is, did indirectly contact Mackenzie E. Gordon without consent, and for the purpose of harassing and intimidating, by uploading videos and blogs to public accounts on YouTube, Twitter, and raceandjasonjacoby.com, accusing Mackenzie Gordon of to make. To making false statements, describing aspects of their past relationship, stating Mackenzie Gordon should be in jail, accusing her of mistreatment, and accusing her of mistreatment of the of the child, causing the victim to f- feel fear and emotional distress. Okay. So, he has to do something to Mackenzie, and Mackenzie has to report it. However, <clears throat> If he does something again after he after he gets out of jail, then, yes, he – something can happen again, and we can get him on something. Because he's probably going to have a parole officer based off of what Austin Oganoski said, but that's just – that's just that. Okay. Jeez, I still forget. What is today? Oh, man, celebration, not an anniversary. No one's getting – no one's actually – Is anybody getting married today? It's not a baby shower. No. Is anybody getting married? No. Okay, nobody's getting married. Is someone having a baby? No! It's obviously not Christmas.
1: It's the beginning of March. I most certainly hope not.
0: It's not New Year's. Oh, man, it's not Chinese New Year. It's not my birthday. It's not your birthday. No. What is today?
1: You're close.
0: Uh, Is it a birthday? Yes. Someone's birthday. Can you give me a hint?
1: It's somebody both of us know.
0: Okay. There's a lot of people both of us know. (laughs) So that doesn't help me.
1: It's someone we're both associated with.
0: That doesn't help me.
1: It's somebody we've both been in the past year.
0: Okay. I I think I have an idea. I can't point out who. Let's see. Can you give me another hint?
1: There's a a picture of all three of us together.
0: Oh, that's right. It's Caitlin's birthday today. Bingo. What are, you, what are you gonna say to her? I
1: already texted her happy birthday.
0: Oh. I'm playing a joke on her. I'm making her think that I forgot. <laughs> Actually, okay. I don't know what we're gonna do.
1: What are you doing? <laughs>
0: Is it? <laughs> Let's see how she responds to that. What? So okay. So to my high school and college buddies, we always text each other "Happy Birthday" on, mid- on at midnight on our birthdays. But with uh-huh. Caitlyn, I'm going to do something dumber because Caitlyn's not up on, at midnight. Um, okay. She has two dogs and a and a toddler, so that's just how things go, especially especially when you have kids. Um, anyways, I gotta run, so let's close it out.
1: All right, I want me to go first or you?
0: Uh, uh, uh you go first.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Past Times and Other Musings podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Past Times is live, Fridays at 7pm. Be sure to check out our Patreon. We have the uh, we have the $5 bronze tier, which is one day access and one bonus mailback question. We have our 10 $10 tier, which is extra videos, three bonus mailback questions, a one-on-one connection, and a chance to follow uh, us, to follow you on social media. One-on-one
0: connection does not mean more on <laughs> friendship. What we will do right. is we will DM you on social media. <laughs> we will just say uh, thank
1: 20. you. Uh, we have our $20 tier, which is extra videos, five bonus mailback questions, a custom video message, a thank you message, and 5 to 10% uh, merch discount. And we have our big boy fifty dollars tier, which is our ex- which is extra videos, customized merch, unlimited mailbag questions, one custom video message, a thank you message from both of us on social media, chance to participate in polls, thirty percent merch discount, a Zoom chat with one or both of us, and on the YouTube variant of the show, uh, you'll be put into our recognition list at the end uh, of the show. If you want to be involved in our uh, mailbag segment. You can contact us at pastimespodcastguest at gmail.com. And finally, a shout out to my channel, which is Ultimate 23 Dragon. This week, uh, a video had come out. So be sure to check that one out. It is so hilarious because the topic is so ridiculous. So, what are you doing? I don't know. We'll get back here. It's your turn. Because thank you, everyone, for watching. This is Ultimate 23 Dragon, and that's my final answer.
0: All right. uh, What is my outro? Thank you guys so much for watching. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Share Share the podcast with your friends. If you do subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the notification bell to be notified about either all our uploads or just some of them. And also check out the Destroyer H6 YouTube channel, which is available on, well, YouTube. And, yeah. I'll see you guys later. Peace out. I'm doing the peace sign so much the same way you are, but whatever. I'm not going to do this to close out the show. So, peace out.